Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. I'm Arthur Staples, sitting here in the rainy parking lot at Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> and my co-host this week, as always, the most anticipated Minnesota-New York New York connection that the Islanders were going to make this week. No, it's not Zach Parise. <laughs> What's up, Mark? Uh, hi, buddy. Oh, man. I, guess, I, th- I think we might have one or two things we can discuss today. We certainly do. I feel like there's some weeks that we, we have to really structure the show. I mean, we're not bringing, we're not going to put you on the spot and do trivia time with you today. Thank as, God. As, as enjoyable as that was, uh, the <laughs> Islanders made a fairly sizable deal on deadline day yesterday. They almost made an incredibly si- an incredible sized uh, deadline deal of the aforementioned Zach yes. Parise that just fell apart. Uh, and they've got a pretty big week coming up now out of the deadline with the Rangers here tonight at the Coliseum uh, at the defending champion St. Louis Blues on Thursday. Home for the Bruins Saturday afternoon, so they better be at their best. And this is kind of uh, getting closer to a complete lineup with Pajot, J.G. Pajot in there. So um, we'll jump yes. right in. John Gabriel Pajot was, was kind of the first big deal of, of deadline day, which was a pretty busy one. Yep. Um, probably the best f- center available on the market. Uh, and the Islanders... Paid a real premium and then paid him a decent amount of money. Uh, it gave up a conditional first-round pick that's top three protected. If it is in the top three, it moves to 2021. An unprotected 2022nd rounder. A conditional 2022 third rounder, which goes to Ottawa if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup, which no one will care about if that happens. <laughs> Amen. Um, and they get uh, the 27-year-old center from Ottawa, who's really been their number one center all year. He's going to be the number three center with the Islanders. And then within a couple hours, had him signed to a uh, six-year, $30 million extension. So clearly Lou Lamarillo found the guy that he wanted and paid a, paid a pretty hefty price to get him. And, and uh, the part that I like about it, obviously, not just that Lou uh, was able to sign him to the six-year contract extension, was the fact that without him stepping foot on the ice, without him even pulling the Islander jersey on, he was in it. For a player to do that, for, for to give up the UFA, to move on from those years, and to, to, to believe in the team that much, not that, hey, you're excited when you get to trade it to you, but all of a sudden, all right, hey, let's trade, and before I even step foot in that room, Let's sign a six-year extension. That shows how much he respects this organization and the direction that the Islanders are going. Yeah, and that we can let's talk about that and kind of we'll talk about how these guys fit uh, and how mm-hmm. like how Andy Green is fit. But so the deadline yes. really was a demonstration of what Lou and what Barry Trotz have brought and what the success last year has brought because you've been a part of it even when the Islanders were good in the early 2000s. I'm sure you had plenty of friends around the league who were like. What's the deal? Ownership. Who knows what's going on? That building's a dump. Are they ever getting a new building? What, you know, Long Island? It's so, you know, I don't, there's just seems to be year after year after year, the hesitation, whether it's guys in free agency, we've seen guys going all the way back to Kirk Muller back in the old days in the nineties, oh, yes. going up to uh, Evgeny Nabokov, who didn't want to report after he was uh, claimed on waivers uh, last decade. Um People have a have a real hesitation to come here, and whether it's been the 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 murky state of the franchise from ownership on down, or the building, or or the lack of success, whatever. So this year at the trade deadline, these aren't necessarily the most marquee names available. But you have Andy Green, a guy who's played almost a thousand games in Jersey, waving his no trade clause because he trusts Lou and he wants to come play for a winner uh, that Barry Trotz has built. You have yep. Jean Gabriel Pajot, who has had no trade protection, Ottawa got a very good haul back for him. But instead of saying, I'm going to see what it's like here for a couple months, Lou gets very aggressive, goes in there, 
knows maybe, uh, you know, even has some in- intel ahead of this deal to know that maybe <laughs> this guy wants to sign if you give him the right price. And boom, they've got their they've got their number three center. And down the middle now, you see a group of four with Matthew Barzell, Brock Nelson, Pajot, and Casey Sezikis when he's back healthy. That's as good a four, a four center rotation probably as any team in the East, maybe top three or four in the league in terms of depth. Maybe not the high, high end of a Crosby or a McKinnon or whoever, but but it's impressive. But to and have so, that in your four, amen. Right. So, um, yeah, you touched on it, Mark, that that it, I think on a, on the face of it, it marks a different direction for this franchise that they've identified people who are willing to come here for whatever reason. And, of course, once people get here, they do like it here. But I think being part of a successful group, having Lou in charge, having Barry in charge, having the, the consistent core that they've had, um, you know, what what does that say for this organization that they have – people that other teams wanted that could have gone, you know, could wait till the summer in terms of Pajot to see what was out there and get a, get probably a similar contract from somewhere. And he said, nope, within two hours of being an Islander, he said, I'm going to be here for a while. Uh, you know, right away from me, I just, I, I'm so happy for the fan base out there on Long Island, uh, you know, being part of it, going through the mess with the ownership. And obviously I, I got the, te- I, I got, I got all the stories. I, I stepped in there when Charles took over, you know, so, so right away this, that was the kind of the, the, a bit of a turning point for the organization. But up until then, like you said, it was so murky with the ownerships. I mean, we don't even, we don't have to go into the whole Spano thing and the Millbury, <laughs> the, those, those years that were just so frustrating for people, uh, uh, some of the moves and the fan bases, you could just tell they were just itching and craving to get uh, players that just wanted to be here. And you could even tell in their eyes, the way they spoke to the spoke to us as a team, it's like they just knew when somebody was going to become a free agent. Well, I guess it's another one of my favorite players that's going to leave. And now that you get to turn around and see this as a fan base, think, think about the excitement of that. Is, you know, they, they, they bring in Lou Lamarillo. They bring Barry Trotz in at, just after winning a cup. Now they've got a new arena coming in Belmont, and you've got this Barzell kid. You've got these guys. Now you get these Pajot. You get these guys that actually want to come here where it's becoming a destination. And right away, my head and heart just goes right to the fan base. I'm so happy for all those for all those people because of the way I watched how supportive they are. I watched how passionate they are. I watched how frustrated they were to watch, you know, guys going the other way for years. So I just, I was giddy, especially when I, I was nervous at first when I heard the Pajot trade. I was like, uh-oh. And then, oh, he signed six years? Awesome! <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, that, that that definitely felt like when you saw the the initial return, uh, the two, you know, basically their top two yeah. picks this year, you're saying, that's a lot to give up. We're not, we're not <laughs> yep. really at the, we're not really at the stage, I think, of the Islanders' building whatever they're building to be able to afford to give up first round picks. However, if you can sign the guy and you suddenly have four centers under contract for at least the next couple of years, I know Barzell is going to be a restricted free agent, but I can't imagine he's going yeah. anywhere. When you for have sure. that down the middle, you know, I think as you've said many times, you win down the middle, starting in yeah. net defense and then centers. You wingers are, are the last resort. So, <laughs> and to be and to be frank, you know, to be frank, if you're talking about their prospect depth, they didn't give up any of their prospects on mm-hmm. deadline day, and really, that's where their strength of their their youth, uh, you know, yeah. whatever youth they have. They've got Oliver Wallstrom, who's a winger. They've got Simon Holmstrom, their first round pick in this past draft, who's still maybe a year or two away, but is coming on better in, in Bridgeport and, and maybe in another year, if he turns into a 20, 25 goal scorer next year in Bridgeport, then you're thinking, uh, you know, he's not that far away. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
it's uh, it, it there is a plan in place, and I, and yeah. and we can start with with the cost. It's a big cost. Um, you give up a first on deadline day, and we're going to talk about some of the other deals that were made since there were a ton yesterday. Um, yes. You see some teams that, and I think this is a lot to do with the perception of the Islanders as a team that is maybe not built uh, for a championship right now. Um, and how can they give up a first round pick when their prospect pool is a little bit shallower than some? How can they give up a second round pick? They've already given up their 2021 second round pick. So that's three of their first four picks in the next two drafts. And this draft is considered to be a very good draft. So even if they make it and they, that pick is, you know, they make it and they lose in the first round, suddenly you're talking about 18, 19, 20, which you can get a good player at 18, 19 or 20. Um, it's a big mm-hmm. price to pay for, for a guy who's going to be your number three center and maybe one of your top penalty killers, maybe play some power play. So you're talking about a, a 16 minute a night guy, probably 17 minute a night guy, I think. And you will probably agree with me. I know you hate to do that, but, <laughs> but the way that the Islanders are built, this was probably the ideal guy that they could get. I think, you know, if Chris Kreider had been magically available and they could work out a deal, that would have been great. Yeah. If Taylor Hall, if Arizona said heck with this, we're going to, we're going to get what we can get from after get trading some assets to get this guy because they're sinking in the standings. If you, you know, Calgary is, you know, maybe Johnny Gaudreau was available. I don't think that's the case. There's headline guys you could get that are wingers. But to fill out their that third line that's been such a black hole, the way that they were successful last year was because they were a four-line team and because a guy like Valtteri Filppula really revived his career and had a had a great shooting year like the one Pajot's having this year. But also yeah. he brought so many intangibles and just fu- just a fundamentally sound veteran player. It really helped them a lot, and I think with Pajot, it's a similar mindset. It may not be the most progressive mindset for Lou and Barry to have, but they know it works for them. And yeah. uh, and to bring in a guy who fit the role, a right a right shot guy who can take faceoffs, who can kill penalties until Casey Zizekas comes back, and then after that, maybe be on your second power play unit, match up against yeah. some other teams' top lines. He can take some heat off of Brock Nelson in that in that regard until Zizekas is back. You know, this is a guy that works his butt off shift after shift. Derek Broussard, who's one of his good friends since childhood, they grew up in in Gatineau, right across the river from Ottawa. Derek Broussard said he's not going to wow you with his game, but he will wow you with his work ethic. And that, to me, is that's what Barry Trotz means. That's what Barry Trotz means when he says Islander hockey. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and you know, the thing too, the the biggest thing for me about the whole thing, yeah, it it is scary. Some of those picks uh, that they gave up for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, that could be, that could be, but there's no guarantee that those picks are going to work out to be an everyday NHL hockey player. So he, you get to go forward, you get to put in a guy, Pajot, uh, to sit there, play every single game. Know that you have got an everyday NHL hockey player, uh, defensive-minded, or excuse me, a good defensively, good on face-offs. And right away when you said he and Sezikis, how great would that be for uh, Trotz to throw it at the end of the third period on the defensive face-off? All right, if it's yeah. on uh, if it's on the right side, you got two centermen out there. Go cheat. I mean, that was one of uh, uh, Laviolette's always favorite things to do, Bates and Pekka. He loved that. He get through two through two good centermen out there to take draws. One guy could go in there and cheat, and then if he lost, oh, well, he still got another fantastic centerman ready to take the draw. And especially now that you go right and left with Sezikis and Pajot, then you can even, you know, you can play with that even more. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's the part that I love about it most. I think uh, a lot of people uh, – 
get hung up. Hey, and, and trust me, draft picks are, you, you know how important they are. I'm not trying to downplay draft picks, but at the same time, a draft pick is just a foot in the door. No matter what, whether it's top 10, whether it's late first, whether it's second rounder, there's no guarantee that any of those picks will actually ever even make it to the NHL. And when you can sacrifice some of those for a guaranteed, bona fide NHL, everyday hockey player, work ethic, has all those little intangibles. Obviously, he's a character guy when guys are speaking up for him uh, that comes into the room and just believes in your organization from the get-go without even putting on the jersey. To me, that's worth whatever picks you gave up. Yeah, and I think when you think about his impact directly, there's also indirect impacts, right? I mean, Matthew Barzell, yep. these last oh, few sure. games, is playing 22, 23 minutes a night. Yeah. It's it's game 61, 60, whatever. It's going to wear too on much. you, That's no matter who much. you are. And he yep. loves it. He wants to play all the time. But uh, it's not going to help you to always <laughs> be rolling out there against the other team's top D pair. Yep. You can pull him off the ice. You can feel secure putting Pajot out there, like you said, whether it's face-off in either zone. Um you know, the success that they had rolling four lines last year, and obviously the injuries have hurt them a little bit, but even just the inconsistency of finding a real third-line center and some yeah. and some solid wings. Josh Bailey's been playing out of position. He'll be back on the wing tonight, presumably with Pajot. Um, it's just you're able to put a better lineup out there and make your top players play a little bit uh, a little bit easier minutes it's just it's just less physically and mentally taxing this time of year right yeah and as well as if, if you want to look forward to it when it comes to moving forward uh with unrestricted free agents uh you know you, you move into it and you're like oh man, well Pajot I know that guy he's a great guy a hard-working guy he wanted to go there now and, and I'm taking this you know purely as a selfish winger that I am uh <laughs> and, and and looking at that lineup as sentiment and if that's so you look at their decoy look at their goaltending if they they get that solidified as a winger I mean you're jumping all over that contract that, that's a great opportunity to see how far that team can go and be a, a part of an organization now to kind of go back to what we were talking about, like not just the fan base, but the organization, the ownership, uh, us old alum players are proud of and we're excited for again. And that alone to me is just spectacular. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Just this buzz around the Islanders again. Yeah. And and even if they can't go out for whatever reason, salary cap constraints, you know, they, they do have to resign Barzal. They've got to resign yeah. Devon Taves. They've got to resign Ryan Pollock. You've got... You know, if Oliver Wallstrom, if you're on the fence about him next year, you know when they brought him up for his nine game stint yeah. earlier in the season, he's he's playing, he's kind of mixing and matching with third line guys that it's not really ideal. Look, your third line center now is a guy who scored currently got 24 goals. He might end up with 30. I don't yeah. think Oliver Wallstrom's going to be struggling, going to be struggling or suffering to play alongside a guy who can score, can distribute, and also works harder than anybody else. So you maybe can kind of pull along some of those entry-level guys, whether it's a Wallstrom or a Holmstrom or, or even a Josh Hosang, uh, his name oh. coming back up. Maybe maybe this, maybe this, if they can't <laughs> find anybody. Bellows uh, as a left uh, shot. Right, left shot Bellows, and another right to, centerman, right-handed centerman. I mean, that's all exciting for all of them. That third line that I fans would say, oh, they're bringing up Wallstrom and Bellows and look at who they're playing with. Like Nobody's going to say that anymore. They've got no. every center they've got is someone that's worth playing with. And I think yeah. that... That is a big influence in keeping your costs down because you can, like we said, we can you can bring along some of those entry level guys a little bit quicker and get them up to speed faster because they're not being forced to just defend or just sort of like, you know, try to keep things neutral until they can hop off the ice after thirty seconds. They're going to be out 
with a guy, whether it's Zizekas or, or Pajot or Nelson or even Barzal, you can kind of mix and match your, your wingers and you're not going to lose a lot of impact. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a lot, that's a, that's a benefit that wasn't really thought about. I think there were a lot of assessments of this trade around the league, even on our site that were kind of like, gee, they gave up an awful lot. But I think again, for what they want to do and how they want to get there, this was probably the ideal guy that they could have gone out to get. 100%. We'll get back to the show in a second, but first a word from DraftKings. All-star breaks are in the past, and teams have their sights set on securing their place in the playoff race. Over in college hoops, teams are jockeying for tournament seating. So much action, so little time. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you right in the middle of all the action. The XFL is back to scratch everyone's itch for football. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app to see what special promotions they're offering on the most extreme league in the U.S. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now we'll get to the Minnesota nice or not so nice, depending on your perspective portion of the show. Um, depending on how much people wanted Zach Parise, which judging by uh, Twitter responses to some of the tweets that that I posted yesterday and comments on the on the stories that we all ran, either myself or the inimitable Mike Russo out in Mini, who had the the Minnesota end of this failed Parise deal covered very well. Um, fan Islander fans did want this trade to happen. It seemed. Yeah. I I myself felt like. You know, you're getting a guy who's 35, uh, who's playing well, but has five years left at about 7.54 million per on this salary cap. Not a lot of actual cash, but as I always say to people, it isn't my money, so I don't give a crap about the actual <laughs> cash. The cap impacts are the ones that are most important. That was really what killed the deal. It sounded like that that uh, the Islanders were pretty insistent on Andrew Ladd going back the other way. Uh, yeah. Plus, plus Minnesota maybe retaining some of uh, some of the cap hit. So that kind of scuttled it at the end. They just ran out of time. But uh, but what an interesting move that would have made yeah. uh, at the deadline that, that we were just talking about impact wingers. Um, the Islanders don't have a ton of them. They have a couple maybe coming in the pipeline, but that would be a guy who can have an impact right away. Um, you know, he's uh, he's another Lou guy. Uh, yeah. He's certainly won, uh, you know, he's had some success in his career. Not a ton since he got to Minnesota. But uh, from your Minnesota perspective, what did you think of that, uh, and how 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 closely were you watch, counting the minutes down to the three p.m. deadline to see if that one happened? It's you know it's so hard uh, for me uh, still just with, with Zach being my buddy friend of mine that you know I actually did play with. He, I, I yes, I'm old enough to actually play with Zach <laughs> a little bit. Uh, no, and uh, seeing it from both sides uh, is to see the. You know, there's a little bit of frustration going on here in, in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, last year with Fenton, things just kind of kind of went off the deep end, uh, and and I could see the frustration with him. Uh, I think everybody can see the frustration with him because he's a guy that's been a winner, a proven winner everywhere he's gone in his career, and kind of he, he's felt like he's been in a, stuck in a little bit of a rut. 
the injuries, obviously, that he's gone through that haven't helped either. Uh, but but when you talk about a guy that fits in to the Islanders, to the Lou Lamarillo, Barry Trot system, I mean, this guy is the engine. When he when he's healthy and he is moving, he forces everyone that he plays with. This is from when he was playing New Jersey and now in Minnesota, or whether he would have been you know pulling on the Islanders' crest. He, he only knows one way, and it is absolutely as hard as he can go. Uh, which is an amazing thing. It's a great thing. But then you, you go back and you look at his age uh, and you look at kind of what he's gone through, the injuries that he's gone through. Uh, I can see where Lou is hesitant and, of course, wants to, you know, and, of course, Lou's watched Zach uh, firsthand how far he can pull a team to, how close to a Stanley Cup and uh, what he did with New Jersey and Marty uh, and uh you can see what he brings to the table but at the same time he's at that age where we all and I know and I know Zach I love Zach I guarantee you it's not in his head because it wasn't at mine at 35 (laughs) when like oh that's all right I got plenty of years left in me I got plenty of years left in me and that's where this hindrance of of the cap hit of his salary of the contract that he signed in Minnesota kind of comes into play Uh, I think if it could have been worked out it would have been a great deal for both sides. I really do. If it could have been worked out, I would have been a little bit scared of his longevity with the Islanders because each year, once you get the closer and closer to the age of 40 you get as a player, the closer and closer your games get to being around 50 a year. It's just kind of the way it kind of naturally progresses. You're, you're hoping to get 60, 65 games out of, out of the older 30 year olds. And obviously you gotta, you gotta watch their minutes and the way he plays and as physical as he does play, you've got to be careful with that. So I understand where Lou's coming from, but on the flip side, uh, with Billy I, out here in Minnesota, I can understand too where I, and I don't know if it was so much and I, and no disrespect to uh, Andrew Lab, but I think that might have been more of a concern than, than holding on to or retaining whatever percentage the 30 whatever percent that uh, uh, they were throwing around of, of Zach's contract because of where Minnesota is Minnesota's you know they're they're floundering a little bit right now and they could they could have used just kind of some room here moving on this isn't a team that's just fighting to make the playoffs this is a team that's kind of fighting to find their identity which Zach is a big part of which is why I thought it would be a great trade for the Islanders to get that workhorse out into the island he's got an energy he's got an enthusiasm he goes to the hard areas of the games where at his age it forces guys to follow him it forces the other forwards to be like hey if you want to play with me you're going to have to work this hard you're going to have to get to the corners you're going to have to get to the front of the net he finds a way to find gritty ugly greasy goals just the kind of ones that i love (laughs) yeah and it's you know i think from the uh from the Minnesota standpoint, it's probably a little more difficult going forward with with yeah. having had the conversations that we presume yeah. went on between Billy Guerin and Zach Parise, where he, uh, you know, we reported uh, that he'd waived his no trade clause. He was ready mm-hmm. to go. Andrew Ladd waived, waived his no trade clause. And Andrew Ladd, probably in a different circumstance, he's only played two games in the NHL this year. He's mostly been in Bridgeport. Um, yeah. They did bring him up after the deadline, and, and Lou did say that Ladd will be here the rest of the year. He's not playing tonight. I don't imagine that, uh, barring injury or someone completely falling off the rails on the, one of the bottom two lines on the wing, I don't think we're going to see him play very much through the end of this year. Um, and certainly the game that he got in on Friday uh, against Detroit 
where he hadn't played in Bridgeport even in a couple of weeks was kind of an eye, eyebrow raiser, which kind of got people buzzing. And I think uh, kind of in talking around to people around the league kind of got some radar up about, hmm, well, you know, clearly this is this isn't just because they suddenly decided Andrew Ladd could help them. I think it was more of a showcase to show some showcase, other people that yeah. he could still he could still play. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's a tough spot for both of them to be in, having both waived and both been ready to go. And it was maybe a bit surprising that a Lou Lamarillo trade word had leaked out before it was even really done. Uh, and then it completely got scuttled. So, you know, if you're Must have Andrew- come from this side. Must have come from Bruce. <laughs> must have come from this side. No, 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 no. Don't blame our guy. Um, uh- <laughs> So if you're Andrew Ladd, now you're back in the room. You've probably had to have uh, a somewhat awkward conversation with Lou Lamarillo where he said, uh, you know, I'd asked you to wave and you waved and now we didn't make get it done. I mean, Lou, I don't know if there are awkward conversations for Lou because he can handle most situations. Yeah. But if you're Andrew Ladd and, you know, you've got three more years left on your deal, it's gone as wrong as it can go the first four years of your of this, you know, kind of light mammoth deal that, that he signed here. Um, you know, how do you, how do you handle that? It's, it's gotta be a little bit, you know, it just sort of maybe doubles down on the frustration of that. He's been feeling staying in the AHL and thinking that he can still be an NHL player. It's uh, you, you're right. It is frustrating, but the frustrating part is that uh, it's accepting the fact that where he is in his career, uh, I, I had to do it. Uh, it started started a little bit here in Minnesota, but of course, at that point, I, I didn't believe it. <laughs> I could still be a number one player, everyday player, top six player, power play player, everything like that. And uh, went the whole summer, not the whole summer, like late summer, because the buyout was late in August. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I kept waiting and I was talking with Dave Tippett, talking to Dallas and got to Dallas uh, Lettinen went down. So luckily there was a bit of a, they needed some help on the right side there in Dallas. And it was about 10 games in. I, I, I scored a hat trick my first game at three, uh, four or five goals, whatever it was. And, uh, then we lost Zubov and Dave Tippett called me into his office. Well, Mark, uh, I hate to break it to you, but, uh, we're going young. With this point now that we've lost Zubov, we've lost Letnin, we've lost, you know, with, with the, the injuries, I think Morrow, it's kind of, uh, Bimo was hurt a little bit, dinged up a little bit too at the time. And it was just a decision that it, the organization had made that, well, they're going to go young. So congratulations, Mark. And thank you for signing here. You are officially our 13th forward. <laughs> it was kind of how the conversation went. Uh, you know, at, at the time, of course, your pride and, and uh, flat out arrogance uh, uh, because of the confidence that you need uh, to be at that level and play at that level, it stung. I, I, I went home and sat down on the couch. I think I probably, I think I probably had about a half a dozen Guinness with uh, with my wife Nikki, and uh, you know, kind of talked about. It. And I went in that next day, and and you got to accept that role as a good team guy, as a as a as a character guy, which Andrew Ladd has always been, and I don't expect him to be any different than I was. Is that uh, once you accept that role uh, of just kind of being the older guy and the extra guy, you get to you, you get to be the kind of that player. You get a little player coach. You're kind of that Reg Dunlop uh, from Slapshot, Min- minus the swear words, of course. Uh, and you get to work with the young kids. Like, hey, like you know, after the so that the you know the young kids that they would call up, Brunstrom that they would call up, all these guys that would call up. Um, 
you got to work with on a daily basis. Like, and, and I really, really enjoyed it. Of course, at the time, I would have much rather been playing. But at the same time, uh, it's a role that is that is so important uh, to each organization, to the young guys to help out. You know, I, I st- I'll still get a phone call every now and then from guys, uh, you know, thanking, thanking me for you know, stepping back and, and, and sharing the expertise and the knowledge that we have learned. Uh, and yeah, it is tough to swallow, but at the same time, it, it was quite possibly the most rewarding part of my career was going on to do that and doing that in Dallas. And it made me realize that, you know what, hey, I enjoy playing hockey and I enjoy teaching the game. And that's why I literally went on and played three more years in the American Hockey League, knowing full well that and I did. I got I got a couple more stints. I got to, I got to sneak up into Tampa for half a dozen dozen games or whatever it might have been. And I got a, I got a weekend in Buffalo after that. Uh, but but there was uh, I, I felt so good about being able to pass on the knowledge uh, to these young guys in the American League, and I really enjoyed that. So and I think that that latter would have absolutely no problem doing that uh, with his character. Uh, with the kind of person he is. And I think he'll enjoy doing that just as much as I do. But now that all being said, it, it's not easy. It's it's not easy because you know, you know, you're one, one, one benching away, one hiccup, one, one little injury away from actually getting another game in the NHL. And what I found actually, when that happened, I actually kind of felt guilty when I got called up a couple of times from the American League, because I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to get back to an everyday player in the NHL. I had accepted that at that point. I actually felt like I was getting in the way of a young kid getting a chance to prove that he could play in that area, play in that system, or, or excuse me, play it, play there, play in the NHL again. So it, I, I w- I'm really intrigued. I think Ladder is going to be great at it. I know it's going to be hard for him. It just is. It's a tough pill to swallow because he's still right there. He's still that close. He still believes in himself as he should. But his character will truly come out at the end of this. Yeah, and I I kind of wonder if they got this close now, maybe in the summer, once the Islanders settle some of their contract situations, maybe something gets revisited or yeah, it it'll be interesting. It's it's difficult too because yeah. it's not a situation where um like we've seen say with the Ilya Kovalchuk contract in LA, you can't just make it disappear, I don't think. You can't put no. him on buy, buyout waivers and then just and then just zap Parise's contract where he's going to walk away from the remaining money. He might do that. Um, but I don't know what the recapture penalties, whether that's possible, uh, whether the Minnesota gets away, gets away uh, penalty free if if Parise says, yes, I'll tear up my contract and go somewhere else. Um, and Lad's contract. No, is, no, I don't think. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. He ain't, ain't going to do that. Right. And Andrew Ladd's contract is essentially buyout proof because it's mostly signing bonus. So it doesn't even buying him out doesn't really help either the Islanders or anybody. So uh, maybe there's another another way when there's a, a full year off of uh, off of each one. We get to the summer. Maybe there's a way to revisit it. But um, as we said, a lot of deals. Thirty two. I think it was the most trades ever on a trade deadline day, uh, which was good for the the Canadian networks that were broadcasting for hours and hours. Good for the rest <laughs> oh. of us that were that were watching along. Um, or silly at home while the kids were at school. Yes, exactly. Uh, were there a couple deals outside of the ones the Islanders made that you noticed that you said, "Huh, that's that's either interesting, good, terrible." What did you think? I got a I'm couple. Not so sh- I, yeah, the, the 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 I I I'm not. I'm trying to figure out how to feel about the Leonard trade. Yeah, I love it for Vegas. I, you know. Yes. 
I think uh, I think they were. St- I think Mark Andre Fleury is starting to show a little bit of the wear and tear of having to be the guy with barely any backup for a long time in in Vegas, going on two plus years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a guy who's been at the top of his game now for two seasons running, and uh, and gotten the old thumb in the eye in terms of getting an extension either here on the island or in Chicago. It's pretty crazy oh. for for Robin oh. to. To still be out there sparing for change, uh, you know, and hoping for at least a couple years of security, and maybe he'll find it in yeah. Vegas. Um, I don't get the sense he's going to play a ton, but if he can handle playing every third game down the stretch here uh, and maybe being just, you know, you never know. Matt Murray won a couple Stanley Cups yeah. subbing in for Flurry in Pittsburgh. So we'll see if um, if Robin has an impact out there, if they want to sign him. But I – but. Uh, that one's an interesting one. I don't know, you know, getting a second round pick back for a, a pending UFA goalie is probably a decent deal for Chicago. Uh, the couple that caught my eye were some of the other first rounders that went. I mean, the Islanders took a little grief for for giving up a first and a second, and then even with the contract extension, um, Tampa gave up a lot for Barkley Goodrow uh, from San yes. Jose. That's a guy who, to me, uh, it. He's a he's a good player. He you can plug him into any third or fourth line, and he's going to give you all he's got. And maybe with Tampa, third and fourth line, just having some depth outside of their incredible top six, top seven guys is really all they were looking for. But that's a hefty price to pay for yeah. getting a guy who's going to give you thirteen minutes a night. You know, I, I you know how much I hate agreeing with you, but you nailed it. <laughs> I really, because I, you look at Tampa, like, do they really, did Tampa really need him? I mean, they've been one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Yeah, they're coming off what they have, but, but you, everybody knows their weapons. Everybody knows their depth of skill and talent. Is that really worth that price? In, in my mind, it's no. Obviously, yeah. again, like you said, if they win a cup, nobody cares. And no move, moving on. But I don't I don't see that one. I, I, I don't understand why they would give up that kind of draft pick. Yeah, and when you go from... A great trade that they made in JT Miller getting Vancouver's first, which could end up being mm-hmm. a lottery pick, and they traded that one away in the Blake Coleman deal uh, the week before. Yeah. And you've got you go from two first round picks to none. <sighs> I understand you feel like you got to win now, but uh-huh. you still have to still have to think about the future a little bit. And I and I feel like not only those two picks, but in that Jersey deal, they gave away Nolan Foot, who was their 2019 first rounder. Um, I feel like you need to hang on to one of them. And really, yeah. when you see some of these deals with with first-round picks going, especially teams with multiple first-round picks, you may, you trade one of them, you say, we're going to give you the, the one that's the worst one. You know, we're going to give you ours if we finish, if we make the conference final, because, you know, the pick that they got from Vancouver could be a lottery pick. We'll have to see. And, mm-hmm. and I think the other one that was for a first that really kind of popped right at the end of uh, deadline day was Brady Shea going from the Rangers to Carolina. I, I can't. Truly cannot recall a time when two teams that are within a couple points of each other for the playoff, for maybe the last playoff spot, swapped a pretty important future in first rounder from Carolina for a guy who was playing 20 minutes a night for the Rangers and Shea. And whatever you think of Brady Shea's game, uh, which has certainly objectively dipped a bit in the last couple of years, um, he's still a guy who's who they can slot in now that they've got Hamilton's already out, Pesci's out for a while. Carolina's going to throw him in, and he's going to play 17, 18, 19 minutes a night, and and maybe use that to leapfrog over the you know or stay over the Rangers. Mm-hmm. It's that's a yeah. that's a. I mean, I love it. I love that kind of stuff. I love Jeff Gordon's feeling that look. If we're going to sell, who cares where we sell it? 
And as long as we get the best return, and if you were looking for a first for this guy, um, they got it. And and Carolina also decided that's going to be the lesser of their two first rounders. They also have Toronto's first rounder, but both of those could be lottery picks. So yeah. uh, it's uh, that to me was was an interesting one. And, and Brady being a Minnesota guy, you know, what did you have kind of a, a feeling on on who won that one in the short I, you term? You know. I, I I was surprised. Obviously, Carolinics they get they get a, a, an everyday NHL defenseman. Uh, but that being said, yeah, the the the, the trade I don't understand that at all. Uh, with the desperation in moving that, um, unless Carolina's got something creeping up like in the American League or somewhere down low that we're not really sure about that's going to explode in the next year or two, then I I don't really understand that as well. Brady's a great guy. He works he works hard. He's a great skater. Where is he going to land in their defensive core? Is right, when, he, he going to be on the top two? Is he going to be in the top four? Yeah, when when Hamilton's healthy and Pesci's healthy, all of a sudden, you know, you look at a guy like Calvin DeHaan who chose Carolina over the Islanders in free agency a year ago, uh, two years ago rather, and then last summer gets moved to Chicago, and unfortunately, it's hurt again yeah. now. But but you know, I think uh, the, the owner in Carolina is a, it seems like a guy who's. Uh, gets a little restless with <laughs> with some of the things having to do with the hockey team and mm-hmm. um when you have an owner in that situation you, you end up making a lot of changes and i think it's been pretty well proven that if you bring in multiple guys right at the deadline even the deadlines now uh, a few weeks earlier than it used to be it takes a little while for guys to get acclimated and you've got they did yeah. get sammy Votnin in from jersey who's still out for a little while but so you've got to plug shea right in you got to plug vinnie trocek right in both qual- you know capable nhl players You've got a yes. couple of days until your goalies are ready after that nonsense in Toronto the other night. Um, I, I don't know if you can just sort of into you know Rod Brindamore's a great has proved himself to be a great coach. I don't know if you can integrate all of those guys in a short period of time and just say all right go play everybody because that seems to be a kind of an older way of thinking from from the from your playing days when when the deadline would be seven player deals right right team that was that was like we're close to a cup we're gonna get five guys here at the deadline who are all gonna help us so uh I, i'm the curious coaches to... just yelled at you ah just go work hard we'll right. win what 12 whatever your name yeah that kind of stuff so <laughs> it's uh there were definitely some 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 eyebrow raising moves at the deadline, but it was uh, it was a fun one all the way around. And and I think when it's all said and done, even if your team maybe gave away a little too much or didn't get enough back or didn't do anything, it's still fun to to keep everybody talking and and interested uh, in a day like that. Mm-hmm. Boy, and I tell you what, look look for the for the ones for me. Ah, uh, big jumble, Joe. Those are the ones that yeah. I as an old guy. <laughs> and Henrik, even Lundqvist, you know, I I look at those and I especially feel for Jumbo the way you know, like hey, I wanted a shot that that stung a bit. That 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 to me tells me he 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 wanted to kind of move on and maybe get another chance at this. He's been you know, I mean, he has been incredible. The the I would assume I don't know if the best, but I, you know what? I'll go with that. I would say the best passer of our generation. And yes, I can say our generation because he's my, he's close to my age. Close. You know, young, younger guys close. have played, but that one in the, in the Lundquist, you know, like those two guys. And I, I understand how hard it is, you know, uh, especially Lundquist staying with the Rangers, staying with one team uh, for his whole career. But man, uh, looking back on it uh, in my career, 
I hope those guys don't look back and regret. I don't think Joe does because I think he, it, to me, it clearly said that he he actually wanted to be moved and he wanted another shot at it. But uh, the way Hank kind of sat still, I, I wonder if, uh, if he'll regret that decision where, hey, send me somewhere where I got a chance at a cup, please. Those are the ones that now it's funny as, as I'm an older guy, as exciting as the the Pajos and I, and the, the the possibility of the Parise and and, and those kind of trades are, uh, I I tend to focus on those more now that I'm just old and way too long in the tooth. We'll get to the Islanders Rangers preview in a second, but first, if you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe. Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, now let's get back to the show. Well, we've got a big one tonight, uh, Islanders-Rangers here at the Coliseum. Uh, J.G. Pajot stepping right into the lineup. Uh, I have to give a shout-out to someone that you probably remember from your Islander days, uh, Joanne Hollowa, who's the Islanders' manager of hockey administration. The best. Who is still, uh, I call her the shadow GM, because she she knows every bit of that CBA. There were definitely times uh, during Garth Snow's tenure when I would text him or call him ask him a question, something CBA related. And he would say like, hang on, let me get Joanne. Cause she, <laughs> not a knock on Garth. She knew it backwards nope. and forwards. She oh knows, no, for she sure. Knows, she knows the good visa processing places. She knows who to call at the FBI, uh, to get background checks done. So yesterday when, uh, some national people were kind of fretting over whether Pajot could get his visa in time, uh, Barry Trotz today put that one to rest and said, you know, Joanne, she handled it. So Joanne's uh, on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> We have to give a shout out to Joanne, who would probably come and sm- uh, smack the microphone out of my hand if she heard me saying her name on a podcast. But uh, but she's uh, the best. Well, so. she's only going to come give me a hug because I love Joanne. <laughs> Everybody loves Joanne, but she doesn't like to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the Rangers tonight, and uh, and Pajot jumps in. Derek Broussard gets back in with uh, a full shield from his broken cheekbone. Um, they have, but, but they have a bit of a deeper lineup now, which is obviously the point. Um, and uh, the Rangers, without Igor Shosturkin, who uh, was unfortunately in a car accident on Sunday in Brooklyn, has a broken rib now. Yeah. He's out for a couple weeks. Uh, I would imagine we'll see Alexander Georgiev, who had been, I think, won two of the three games against the Islanders back in January in that stretch of three games in just a short space of time. 
Um, you were just talking about Henrik Lundqvist. This is, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that this is the last game between the two teams. It would have been nice to see a couple more left after the deadline when everybody settled. Chris Kreider has his extension now. He's going to be a Ranger instead of yeah. being on the trade block. Uh, we yeah. talked about Brady Shea being gone. The Rangers have to fill his spot. Um, so, uh, you know, it, when you when you get the new guys in, you know, Andy Green's now been settled in for four or five games. Uh, Pajot comes in. There's going to be a lot of emotion in the building, a lot of excitement. Um, how do you handle that post-trade deadline? You know, you were on some Islander teams that had Mike Milbury as the general manager. After the deadline, the team looked a little bit different, I'm sure, each year. <laughs> that that first game after the deadline, I don't, I'm sure you can't remember who it was, but if given it's a Ranger game, it's the Coliseum, they've made this big acquisition, the guy who wants to be here, the team is excited. The fans are excited. The Ranger fans are excited. They got their guy in Kreider to keep him around. Um, how do you manage those emotions coming right out of all this stuff? Oh, you just try to harness the enthusiasm. I, 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 that's the one of things about one thing about trades that uh, you tend to uh, the home team tends to focus sometimes on the trades. Like, oh, you feel bad. This is hard. Someone's you know leaving their family, their friends, and yes, that is true. But the flip side of it of a trade. The enthusiasm, the excitement of the team of little fresh blood and obviously wanting to show incoming. They want to show Pajot. Uh, they want to show Green how excited they are to be here and how exciting it should be, how excited they should be to be there, not just the, the existing players. And what better way to show Pajot how to, oh my Lord, against the Rangers. I, I'm telling you, my, my, my blood's boiling a little bit. The hair on the back <laughs> of my neck is standing up because I want to be out there and playing again. Because those, those are the games that you're going to remember. Yeah, you're always going to remember your first game after being traded, and it's hard. I, I'm not going to lie. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's hard to control your emotions, especially because it's just excitement. There's a lot of nerves in there because, of course, and, and and not just for for Pajot for for coming in just being traded. Then he turns around and signs a six year deal. So he's almost not just the enthusiasm of a team that wanted him, but now all of a sudden he instantly feels like. Well, he has to prove something, too, because without even stepping on the ice with that team, he signed a six-year contract. Uh, it's like floating on ice. It, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's almost uh, similar to a dream. Uh, you go through it, and you just play hockey. you got to focus on just playing hockey. And I know, you know Trotz has been through it, the players, the vets on the Islanders. Uh, everybody has been through that. Obviously, Lou has been through it more than any of them. Uh, and it's, it's, you just go play. Go play. Don't put too much on your mind. Don't think too much like, okay, uh, every time I got traded, and, and it was a lot, uh, <laughs> I always I always got to sit down with whether it was the head coach. Uh, you know, it was, it was Rick Wilson uh, in Dallas and, and Dave Tippett afterwards. And it was very basic, generic. All right, here's kind of what we're looking for for a four check. Here's kind of what we're looking for in the neutral zone. Just stay on the wall and the defensive zone because you're a winger and you don't matter. And now go play. And, and that's kind of what you got to do is you just got to trust your instincts and just go play the game of hockey. As soon as you get caught up, and I did a few times, you get caught up in the systems. L.A., I got messed up a little bit when I got traded to L.A. It was a left-wing lock system that I was not 
comfortable with. I, I wasn't used to playing. I, I, I think I played it once back in like the 1990 something World Juniors, <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden it's 2000. You know, so uh, I, that's the one that 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 sticks into my head because it was a little too confusing for me. So a few games I was just kind of lost out there. Uh, every other time that I've been traded or I've gone to a new organization, it's go play the game. Like you know the game of hockey, play smart, you know, stay in the D, so this this and that. And and I'm assuming that's exactly what will happen with obviously Pajot and I, you know, Green's obviously got a couple of games under his belt, but it, it's uh it's it's an exciting, nerve wracking euphoria, I guess is the best way to to kind of put it into your mind because you're so excited about it. Uh, you, you don't, your energy is through the roof. You, you will not get tired. He will not get tired. I promise you, Pajot will not get tired tonight. He will be, he'd be able to skate 60 minutes without even blinking an eye. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you just got to calm those nerves too. And remember that, Hey, I, I'm, I'm part of this team. I, I got to play this system and I got to show these guys is right away, especially with a six year contract. Just that when I signed with Minnesota, the first thing that I wanted was, Hey, I got to show these guys that I'm here, that I, that I, I deserved this, that I earned this contract without even stepping on the ice, without even being part of this team, that I've got to show these guys what I can do. There's there's a bit of a, I don't want to say chip on your shoulder, but there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a poking and prodding that you feel in your heart that you've got to show your team how committed you are right away. And this, you know, all that, all those emotions come into a game that whether it was the Rangers or not, the Islanders are, you know, tied yeah. for tied for a wild card spot. They're they're two points exactly. clear of Carolina. They're only six points clear of the Rangers. Um, this is a difficult week. Like we said, they've got the they go to St. Louis to face the Blues, who are back to being red hot. They've got the Bruins coming in here, who always seem to have their number on Saturday afternoon for Butch Goring's uh, banner raising for number ninety one. Oh, so bless Butchie. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot at stake. You know, beyond just bragging rights in this game and and getting a new guy acclimated. I think um, probably the difference maker to me when I think about this game, and he really hasn't been talked about because we've been talking about trades and the Islanders' inability to score a goal. Semyon Varlamov gets a six straight start. He's given up, yeah, he's given up eight goals in the last five games. Eight goals in five games. Like this guy is well, is playing is as that well. Good? Is, it, is yeah, that? <laughs> I've heard that's pretty good. And you know, their last two games here, they beat Detroit, who's pretty hapless. They beat San Jose, yeah. who's was is headed towards hapless, mm. but. But he's been sharp, and I think even in the games that they lost on the road trip, Vegas, he was exceptional. Uh, Arizona, he was really good. Uh, Colorado was a little bit of a tougher one. But um, but but he's, you know, if eight goals in five games. This is the best stretch maybe that a single Islander goalie has had since Barry Trotz got here. And, and I know that he's been alternating a lot, but, uh, but they're going to run with this guy. They've got this every other day and not a lot of practice time. Headed yeah. to St. Louis on Thursday. If he throws another good one out here against the Rangers, and and I think he played the the first one against the Rangers, which was not a good one when Panarin let them up for I think four points at the Garden back uh, the first time they met in January. Um, but if he plays another one here where he gives up one or two goals, you know this is this is a guy who's setting himself mm-hmm. up to be to be the guy. You know he's not going to get every game down the stretch, but certainly if they make the playoffs and they start Game One, there's there seems to be no doubt who their goalie is going to be because this is this is a, a solid couple of weeks from Varlamov. And this works out perfectly to, you know, what you've brought up before with the uh, Sorokin. 
yeah. bringing in this guy. So you got Varlamov who's stepping up, playing spectacular. Uh, I and 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 even to go back to uh, to double back on the trades with uh, not just Green. Now Green's got a few games into under his belt now, so it, this it's a little different for him. He, he he's already starting to feel familiar. He he feels like he's part of the team now after four or five games. Uh, but for Paggio, uh to step in. And hey, all right, hey, the enthusiasm this first night, first game is over. Once this Ranger game's over, it's back to business. So he gets to just kind of fall right back into line with that. Where where it's like, all right, so like the enthusiasm, this is it, like, okay, great, the Rangers, congratulations. Well then that congratulations, you got like a day or two, and then it's back to business. And and it goes right back into how difficult this stretch is. And for him, he just gets to fall in line. He he gets to find his footing. He gets to find that enthusiasm again uh, just to play with these guys, play against these teams, and get right back into it. Uh, and, and now, to, of course, I'm going to double back again with Varlamov. This is exactly what you want to see uh, as Lou and with the team because of the Sorokin. And, and that's why you brought Varlamov in. That's why you let Leonard walk. That's why you brought this guy in. Uh, he can do this same thing. He can carry the team through these moments. Uh, again, showing everyone in the league that Lou knows what he's talking about and moving forward as not just this season or this playoff push that the Islanders are in, but moving forward. All right, so let's get a little prediction here. What do you think tonight, Mark? Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to go 5-2 Islanders. Wow, five. Empty net. Pajot gets all five, all five for Pajot or just a couple? Uh, four and one. <laughs> four and one. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, four two Islanders uh, tight game all the you way didn't through. Give the, you didn't give the empty. You gotta give the empty netter. It's probably Nowadays, gonna be an, it's probably gonna be an empty they, netter. Yeah. Oh, so you're giving the four two an empty. So you're thinking yeah. three yeah. two with an empty netter. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a close one. The Rangers are playing extremely well. I know they don't have their top goalie in, but uh, it's yeah, gonna be a fun sellers, one. Sellers like, though. Fun they're one like sellers. Eh, not that. It's gonna be a fun one like it always is with those guys. So. I don't give you. We'll that. see. We'll see. Uh, and and uh, I'm sure if our producer Chris Flannery could uh, could pipe in, he'd say 11-1 Rangers. But um... <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God his mic's off. <laughs> oh, dang it! There he is. Yeah, I just put it on for a second. Uh, I was thinking four-two Islanders, but we'll see. You know, I'm ready for the race. Four-two Islanders. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they're at home. You know. Yeah, it's secret. The secret mush from from Flannery, who's a yeah. big Ranger fan. Even though he does a nice job with the podcast here, clearly. So don't say anything. Yes. Yes. We still we still love Chris, <laughs> but he's a Rangers fan. Well, thank you, my friend, and thank you to all our friends out there for listening. It is an action-packed show after an action-packed uh, trade deadline, and uh, we'll have a little more for you later in the week uh, after this big game and after the one in St. Louis. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, my friend. We'll catch you again soon.